Well, hello and happy SummerSlam weekend. It's Sean from Radio Free Professional Wrestling. I'm joined by Matt and Chris from Six Win Media. And this is our SummerSlam Spectacular. The go-home show, like they say on SmackDown. <laughs> exactly. The only thing we're missing is Teddy Long begins into a three-way match with The Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> but gentlemen, we have concluded our tournament for the greatest SummerSlam match ever. And I have the winner. And I do believe you, you guys match from WrestleMania carry today. But finally, Radio Free Professional Wrestling has a winner. And it's my match. It's Shawn Michaels versus Triple H for 2002. It's the unsanctioned match. And it carried the day in the final. It wasn't even close. I think they're right. Match one. Chris and I were kind of talking about those two matches. And even though we we picked Austin Undertaker, we were like, ah, that one's like a, such a name match. And we think that's why, like, we could have seeded it anywhere. And people would have been like, oh, it's Austin Taker. I got to vote for it. But I'm glad, like, when we got down to it, that one wasn't crowned the best SummerSlam match of all time. So Triple H versus Shawn Michaels from 2002. It carried the day with 62% of the vote to the Undertaker and Austin's 38%. Really, you could flip a coin here. I've seen both matches face to the WWE designed to put a ton of SummerSlam matches on a YouTube channel and play it 24-7. I literally, guys, I literally saw every match we named on this YouTube channel sometime this week. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I think I popped in and out, uh, checked out a couple of matches, but uh, I did go on Peacock. I wanted to make sure I had a fresh take on our two finalists. And like Matt said, the right match won. The Triple H HBK match it had such a better build. It was better match quality, better story going into it. And then you had the big deal of Shawn Michaels returning to the ring for the first time in over four years. It was such a good match. Like HBK, you know, we remembered him being like the showstopper, Mr. Wrestle, Mr. Main Event, Mr. WrestleMania, whatever. And he lived up to the hype. When does he let the fans down? The answer is never. It was awesome. You know, Chris, I feel like everybody can kind of relate to the story was being told between Triple H and Shawn Michaels and that story laid up to the match. It's like, we all have best friends. What would we do if our best friend turned on us? We would be pissed off and we want revenge. Is this the easiest story to tell? And I mean, the match was so great. Yeah. The only, so the only thing that I was a little confused by as far as the buildup to the match, they had the fake DX reunion where they, you know, Triple H and HBK look like they're finally reuniting. Mm -hmm. Triple H turns on him, gives him the pedigree. And then maybe like two weeks later, Shawn Michaels gets attacked by this mystery person who like rams his face into the car. And then Triple H is back to being like, who did this? I got your back, Shawn. And then, so he like, he turned heel and then he was pretending like, hey, no, nobody does that to my friend. And then he like turned, not a double turn, but like an extra turn because it turned out he was the one that did it. So it was just like, you think he's a bad guy now. He's an extra bad guy going into SummerSlam. So that was the only part of the storytelling. I was like, eh, I don't know if like both were necessary, but how? Oh, that's nitpicky. Well, you know, Chris, it's not too nitpicky because thinking back at it, you would probably want to reverse that order of events happening and once you brought it up i'm going like yeah that thing did happen after the fact that oh you just got headed right into the canvas by your best friend um sean what do you think your ex-best friend would be candidate number one for a guy driving the car but 
I want to thank everybody who took time to vote in this tournament that we put together. But gentlemen, you guys are going to SummerSlam, and this card is lining up to be one of the best SummerSlams in recent memory. So which match on this card, Chris, are you looking forward to the most? Ooh, um, I gotta go Roman versus Jay. I they're both they're billing it as like four main events, but can you really have four main events? I think if you were to have to pick one main event, this is the main event. Um, Roman versus Jay, the bloodline story feels like it's starting to come to a close. Maybe, maybe not. I've been enjoyed the whole ride. So Roman versus Jay is what I'm looking forward to most. Roman's gonna win. I'm gonna be cheering on Roman. I don't know if I'm gonna be in the minority on that, but I'm team Roman all the way for this one. Okay, so me and David were talking about this Monday. We're trying to figure out a way to further the storyline a bit longer because David doesn't believe Jay is the right person to defeat Roman. And I was trying to save Jay from being defeated. And I thought, you got Solo there. I feel like Solo could play interference here, cost Jay the match, and we spend Jay and Solo off into a singles feud and maybe punt this Jay versus Roman for the title again to Survivor Series, maybe to Royal Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could maybe do that. Um, I feel like Jimmy's going to pop up, but I've read conflicting reports whether or not he's going to be there. Um, but it seems like you could make it go. You could extend the feud a little bit because I still think Cody, is he's got to be the one to take down Roman at WrestleMania. Unless, you know, we talked about last time we met up, Matt, you brought up, could it be LA Knight? I mean, if LA Knight stays on this trajectory, it it could. But I think the whole finish the story, Cody, I think that's still going to happen against Roman at WrestleMania 40. So, Matt, which match are you looking forward to the most? Well, this is so surprising because I would normally feel like, and I don't know, I can't speak for Chris, but like I'm not usually like the main event or co-main event pick guy, but Chris picked Roman and Jay. And I'm actually most looking forward to Rollins and Finn if I had to pick. Obviously, because Rollins is a, a great in-ring performer and his matches are always phenomenal. So I think this one could be match of the night. But there's, I mean, you've got Gunther and Drew. So that that's a strong candidate. But Rollins and Balor, I really feel like a lot of the things I've heard is that the WWE really sees Judgment Day as like the new big storyline once Bloodline is kind of wrapped up and over. And so, like, what they're going to do with Judgment Day um, and kind of will they bring home a top title either through Priest or Balor, um, I, I think this is going to be a really good match. And I think this is going to set the stage for one of the big storylines that leads to WrestleMania and maybe the one that's getting more airtime than Bloodline just because of Roman's kind of availability and, and presence there. I think, like, the Bloodline still is that, like, really awesome story. I think it's really awesome because it's not there night after night because of Roman's schedule. And I think uh, Judgment Day and what it's going to look like going forward is going to be the one that carries it weekly up to WrestleMania. And this is going to kind of start that chapter and we'll see what happens. You know, Matt, I'm feeling that I'm hoping Finn can win here. I don't think it would hurt Seth to lose the title at this moment. And can you imagine that Raw after SummerSlam Judgment Day is in the ring. You have Dominic Mysterio with the North American title, Rhea Ripley with her title, Finn with the World Heavyweight Championship title, and you got Damian Priest holding that briefcase. Still with that briefcase. And there's the story, the whole tension. Does Damian 
turn and use that case sometime during the fall against Finn, or does he just play bodyguard for Finn and keep Finn with the title? Yeah, I like that. I think that in itself, they should do that just for the tension building. Just you could play that out for months. Just is he going to cash? Is he not going to cash? Is he going to be conflicted? Like, I just, I, I do too. I, I'm hoping they go down this storyline because I feel like it would be really beneficial to everybody involved in this. So, gentlemen, we know that Trish versus Becky is not going to be on this card. They're kicking it down the road to a Raw two weeks after SummerSlam. We're going to play a little game. Which match on this card would you kick off of SummerSlam in order for you guys to see Trish versus Becky? I'm going to go, you know what? I would have said Shayna versus Rouse prior to Raw because I felt like the build for this one was a little clunky, but they did like two video packages on Raw to build a match, and I thought they were pretty well done. Um, I'm rooting for Shayna, so basically that was going to be my choice, but not anymore. Honestly, if I had to... Don't take my pick. If I had to take one other match away i don't know um matt you have your pick okay you go with your yeah i know mine and uh, basil and rousey is actually pretty good because that's one that could definitely have like it's kind of big match at maybe like a bigger raw or a later event because it doesn't have the same build and it didn't have the same build as like trish becky which started you know months before but ronda and Shayna do have that history even though they haven't really had as much main kind of highlighter focus on like Raws and pay-per-views lately. I would pick, uh, you know, the Ricochet-Logan Paul match because I think that's one that it's going to be a spectacle. It's a great SummerSlam match. But I mean, yeah, I'm I'm actually going to be really excited for it. I want to see it because it's going to have some cool stuff, but it could happen at any pay-per-view or at, you know, any time. But because Logan Paul's a big deal, they would never bump that. So, yeah, I think I'd have to... I think I'd have to agree. Um, although the triple threat, I don't think they've built that up. They haven't made Asuka seem as strong as she could. I mean, the potential of Bianca Belair turning heel and adding a little layer to her character and stuff. So I'm going to go with the, the women's triple threat uh, if I had to bump one Matt. Okay, I'm going to stop with Matt here. I feel like Ricochet versus Logan Paul, yes, it's going to be entertaining. Yes, you're going to get some really amazing high spots and stuff. But it's like that $5 PC you get from the uh, hole-in-the-wall restaurant sometimes. You know, it's okay, it's pizza, we all love pizza, but it's not like seeing Trish versus Becky Lynch. And I'm like, they have built this up to a point where I feel like these two ladies deserve to have a match at SummerSlam. But you know what? If they get the main event of that Raw, I feel that I feel like that would make up for it. Yeah, yeah, it's, that should main event the Raw at least. And I imagine it will since it'll be in Canada. And, but... Yeah, I was just kind of reading where they bumped it, not just like the pay-per-view like payback, but to Canada. And I think some people were like, this might be weird because you might have the crowd behind Trish, which since she's Canadian, which kind of defeats the story and the purpose of like having Becky be the face. And unless they're going to go for a, a double turn there and have them be face and heel after that and swap. I, so I don't know. OK, guys, we are kind of chimed in on the uh, triple threat women's match here between Asuka, Charlotte Flair, and Bianca Belair. I'm with you, Chris. I feel like they haven't built Asuka up enough yet. I mean, I love the fact that she's kind of semi-Joker-sting crazy at the moment, and having her with the title is entertaining, 
and I don't want to see her lose this title. I kind of want to see Belair turn heel and maybe join up with her husband, with um, Bobby Lashley and his tag team partner, and form a new Hurt Business on SmackDown. That'd be kind of cool. I have that's one thing the Hurt Business didn't have their first one was a strong female character, and we see Bianca Belair be a heel in NXT. I feel like it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, I agree. I would love just that refresh to Bianca's character. Um, and that stable has got me really excited because it would be, you know, Bobby Lashley, Street Profits, Bianca Belair. And then who else was uh, Bobby Lashley talking to? Was he talking to some NXT? See, I think he was talking to Carmel Hayes, who's currently the NXT champion. And I feel like you bring him up Adam to the group. This is like your new version of the Four Horsemen because all these guys are so freaking good. I agree. See what uh, Montez can do. I haven't really seen him be a heel, like a full on heel. Like if they're going to be a heel stable, um, I, I mean, I like it. Were the Street Profits heel in NXT? I, I can't even remember. You know, Chris, I'm trying to grasp my mind to think about it. I don't think they were really. I feel like they've always been like this fun, loving tag team. It just, they kind of rolled in being like, we want the smoke, and we didn't know what the smoke was, but <laughs> they got in the ring, they were entertaining. Everybody just decided, hey, we want the smoke. Uh-huh. We want the smoke and the, and the red cups and a bit of this and all. To be fair, the Usos for a long time were just kind of that tag team that kicked off pay-per-views, had high-energy matches. You know, got the crowd fired up with the ooh, so, you know, chants and stuff. And we never really saw them as like, well, they're, I guess we cheer for them because we like their matches, but they were never like really hardcore faces and they definitely weren't heels. And then obviously once the Bloodline storyline came around and, you know, New Day feuds, they went heel and they've done some of their best work as like heels and gotten, you know, massive heat, Uso penitentiary and stuff like that. So, you know, who knows the Street Profits can maybe replicate that success of being like a team that you'd be like, I can't see them as heels. Come on. They're they're two fun-loving guys. They're so fun to watch in the ring. And then you go, oh, no, they're good. They're good as heels. Okay, there's one match we haven't really mentioned yet. It's the IC title match between Drew McIntyre and Gunther. Gunther is working his way towards defeating the Hockey Tonk Man's reign as the Intercontinental Champion. And gentlemen, I feel like Drew's not going to stop him. I feel like the ring general is going to continue his march to history. I agree. I don't know if it'll be the through the cleanest method. There may be some shenanigans to allow him to retain because I, I think like it is time to kind of move the title off of him. One, for like another wrestler and two, because he can kind of move up and, and challenge for a, a main title or start being in that picture. But I know WWE is kind of wanting to set that record. So I don't know if some weird like Imperium thing happens where one of the part, like both of his guys are trying to help and one almost cost him the match. And, and maybe they have like a little feud after that or something. So I think he'll retain, but I, I think it has to create this new storyline where we know like at some point he's going to drop that title for one reason or another. Agreed. I don't think Drew is the guy, but I, again, just like with Montez, I, I think Drew would, I think he could use a little shakeup in his character. So Say Riddle or whoever comes and, and helps even the odds. Drew still doesn't get the job done. And then maybe Drew's next feud is with whoever comes, helps him out. And he just like snaps and loses it. And, you know, or even like a Drew Cody feud. I know they're going to try to keep Cody busy until WrestleMania 40. If you could somehow swing, 
than that. But uh, you know who I want to see end Gunther's reign? We got a tease of it on Raw. I want to see Chad Gable do it. I think that match was is super entertaining. I think Chad Gable, he's not like on like an LA night level of popularity, but he's just slowly, week after week, he's getting there. LA Knight was kind of this rocket ship, whereas Gable, like he's putting on these like awesome matches and he's really coming into his own with this Alpha Academy character. And he's for me the most entertaining part of like the mid to lower card. So I see Chad Gable do it, but after Gunther breaks the record, and then Gunther can go on to the uh, the main event. See, oh, very easy move, <laughs> Chris. I like your idea. I mean, like Gable is so good in the ring. The only issue is, does the WWE management believe in Gable as much as we believe in Gable? And that's the only thing holding me back. Going like, yeah, sign me up for this, but you know. I would be Ray William Gable for this all day, all night, because the dude is a freaking wrestling machine. He's this age shorter version of Kurt Angle. Yeah, I'm all for this too. I would that that's such a, I would love to see Gable get kind of like that shock surprise run. And they've done it before with superstars, I think, kind of remind me of Gable. I I think like Santino Morella. <laughs> this is like his debut was like as a guy pulled from the crowd that won like the US title. And he had a lot of success later on and things like that. Gable was kind of played like a comedic role like Santino did for a long time. But this would be like a nobody's beaten Gunther and like he's unstoppable. And Gable kind of gets that upset. And he then he can still play the underdog as the, you know, as his title defenses, which is something that a lot of guys, once they win that title, they lose that underdog status because they're the champ. And you still expect him to win and retain, but like I don't think Gable would ever lose that. And it would be, I, and if he kind of like fluke beat Gunther uh, with some great technical wrestling, man, I think that'd be such a great storyline for like how long he can just hold off all these bigger, stronger guys. Well, maybe not bigger, maybe not stronger. Gable's incredibly powerful for his size, pound pound for pound, as Michael Cole might say, the strongest guy on the roster. Okay, guys, let's go back to the Ronald Wrestling Channel Blazer match just for a second because they're making it like a mixed martial arts rule match. I kind of wish they brought back the Lion Den match for this. This would make it like that. Mm, yeah. That was that was the gimmick they did with Riddle and Seth Rollins? Or Matt Riddle and somebody, right? Did they do one? Well, I was thinking like Ken Sharp versus uh, Owen Hart for one of them. And I think it was Ken Sharp, Ken Sharp versus Steve Blackman for the other one. There was one in NXT, and I want to say it was Timothy Thatcher versus Riddle. I think maybe. I have to go back and double check myself. But I feel like the two bands that Chris was talking about for Raw were so freaking good. And it helped this feud mean more. Because coming into this week, it was the one match where I'm going like, this really doesn't need to be on this car because we're just getting it out of drive. We're getting into drive going on the interstate. And those two VNs kind of got us going into the fast lane. Yeah, good point. Um, I it, it's kind of it's been kind of a confusing feud because Shayna was the one that turned on Rousey and attacked her, but yet Shayna's also kind of like the baby face going into this. Or at least I think for most of us, we're rooting for Shayna. And I think you know, if you read the reports or whatever, it sounds like Rousey's on her way out. So maybe she wants to put over Shayna on her way out. That WWE logic tells me that that's the way they're going. So I don't know what the match is going to look like. Um, but yeah, it would be cool if it was a Lions in match or I don't know what kind of like structure they're going to have them fight in. But it should be pretty entertaining. I don't think they're going to go like full actual MMA and like 
actually beat on each other. But, you know, I think it'll be good for what it is. And, and I expect to see Shayna come out with the W. Do you think there's any way for Ricochet to beat Logan Paul this weekend? Or are we going to see another highlight for Logan Paul? Until, so like, I was like, well, what if we do match predictions? And I was like, I don't know. I would like to see Ricochet win. I don't know how they do it. Like, obviously, they could try to turn him heel and see what Ricochet does there and just have him kind of like cheat or like not, you know, he's he's kind of played a little, he's got a little edgy during this uh, feud and, and not been like the nice guy and gotten some time to shine. I'd love to actually see Ricochet win. I think it would be a surprise and I think they could continue the feud and this is like a good multiple pay-per-view feud for a guy like Logan Paul and for a guy like Ricochet um, to have like this Ricochet to have a high profile uh, entertainer that he's going against that he's going to get a lot of spotlight on him and Logan Paul to continue to feud against a guy that's like not needing to go to like the main event right now so I'd like to see them have Ricochet win I just don't know how they do it I'll go um I yeah I so look at all this card again. As good of a card it is as it is, some of the matches are a little predictable. Like I, I think I have a pretty good idea of who's going to win. And usually when it's a card like that, they usually throw the old swerve on you. Oh, this one might be this. I think Ricochet they might do something super cool. Like maybe he gets Logan Paul's phone from him. And does a cool spot, but he's the one holding the phone, or and then that's how he ends. And I don't know, but yeah, I could all everyone's saying Logan Paul's gonna win. He needs to win. He's lost his last four matches, and he needs this win. And Ricochet can take the lot, but I think Ricochet's gonna win. I'm going with Ricochet. Oh no, I'm sorry, Chris. I sold him on the idea that Ricochet could win this one. <laughs> okay, so my final question for you guys is. Are you surprised that Cody versus Brock didn't get a stipulation added to it? I'm a little surprised by that. Usually the third in the series three, they add some sort of stipulation. I guess there's still time. They could just throw in like, by the way, this is no holds barred, uh, whatever. I guess there's still time to do that. But I am, uh, to answer your question, yes, I'm a little surprised. I'm definitely surprised as well. Um, but I, I guess I don't know what stipulation would necessarily make this match better. I mean, any of them could because they could have kind of built towards that. But I part of me thinks this is the right call to not do a stipulation so that there's like a definitive winner. There's no like this guy, you know, just happened to use the the table at the right time and knock his opponent and, you know, knock his opponent out or some way where Lesnar can use some weapon to cheat, but Cody looks strong and the feud continues and things like that. Like a straight up match where Cody wins preferably to kind of end this feud is maybe what it needs best. And we, and maybe a stipulation would have just kind of made that a little bit too murky. And there would have been this idea that the feud should continue because things were not as clean as they could have been. You know, Matt, I'm with you in the same boat. I know a lot of people want to see some kind of bull roll match, something that would honor Dusty. And I'm going with you, Matt. I'm going like, you know, the only way to win that match is touch four corners or like beat the guy with the cowbell in the middle. And there you have an excuse for Brock to lose this match. Oh, Cody didn't beat him. He touched the corners first. So we get to continue this yet again. And like you guys said, I want to see this view. And I want to see Cody have the victory. And if you haven't seen the Cody documentary on Peacock, go and watch that before you go to watch SummerSlam. It's like almost two hours. It's narrated by Stephen Mel. 
wow, Stephen did a great job narrating this story, and I thought that was cool. Now, go in it knowing that you're not going to get that much AEW, like, oh, hey, this is why I left AEW, because Cody signed an MDA. He literally said that he's not going to tell you why he left. He hinted at it being something personal, and Matt, Chris, I feel like the personal thing is he had a chance to open that contract up. WWE came with to him with some kind of offer, and he went, there's the one thing on my bucket list I want to do. I want to see if I can main event in WWE and win that title that my dad never won. I still feel like that's important to him. I feel like that's the reason there's not any bad blood with AEW. It's just Cody wanted to come back. I feel like LeBron come back to Cleveland after the time in Miami. Yeah, I know we'd all love for there to be like juicy gossip. Like he, you know, had like some backstage issues with some guys or started not liking the way the the product was going and things like that. But I think you're right. I think really um, WWE recognized how, you know, important he was and how much of a, a main event guy he could be seeing that. And I think obviously Triple H having more influence um, saw that Cody could come back and they could have him tell a great story with him and i think cody saw that opportunity and i think that's most likely the reason agreed it was a fantastic documentary sean i agree with you you know i didn't realize that from the time desi got inducted into the hall of fame to cody coming onto raw to debut was like six months to me it felt longer as this set there and went it was six months and like cody said he only had like 50 matches going in yeah agree and i didn't realize he was such a stud athlete in high school if he was like captain of the wrestling team not losing any matches you just like was awesome yeah it was really really cool story overall excellent dr mary it gives you a good look into who cody really is and coming out of it i'm a bigger cody fan i agree oh and just uh when he i forgot that he and dusted and introduced dusty into the hall of fame and uh it was a cool story. Matt, I know you still have to watch it. I'm not spoiling anything, but after Cody's like promo entering his dad into the Hall of Fame, Vince was like, bring him to me because he was so good at like talking. He like Vince immediately saw something in it. And I just thought that was like a really cool way for him to get on Vince's radar. Matt, Chris, thank you for once again joining me here on Ray Free Professor Wrestling and helping me set up this tournament and running it. I'm hoping you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy SummerSlam, and why don't you tell us what you guys have in store for Sitzwin Media coming up? Oh, good question. All right. Well, we're running the, uh, we're still running the worst things tournament, so uh, a lot of worst things. We're going to determine it. Actually, we're not going to determine it. You're going to determine it by voting on it, and uh, who knows? Maybe one of us is going to dress up as Macho Man Randy Savage and go to SummerSlam. We don't know which one yet, but I have a good feeling one of us will. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you happen to be in Detroit this Saturday and see a younger version of Marshall Man Radio 7 for some reason, you might want to go over and say, hey, Matt, hey, Chris, how you doing? <laughs> just walk up to anybody in a Macho Man costume and just like, Chris, Matt? <laughs> Don't worry, I will bring Chris and Matt back onto Radio Free Professional Wrestling later this fall before we go. I hope everybody enjoys SummerSlam. It's going to be a freaking amazing card. And you can come back here on Radio Free Professional Wrestling on Wednesday after SummerSlam, and I'll have a wrap-up with yet another special guest. Until then, guys, stay stunning. <laughs>